What up, what up, what up? Real Coach JB here, joined as always by the great Sean Salisbury as we get after this second install of Last Chance Q. Sean, what's going on, brother? Glad you can make it in here on this fine Thursday. Great uh, to be with you, brother. Great hey, to be man, with you. our second install, Sean. I can't be more excited. Let me tell you something, my man. After the last one, I was so giddy. I'm saying, can we do a nine-hour podcast? But I didn't think people wanted all that. We figured we'd break it up. So great to be with you. I had a blast and got a ton of feedback, and we're just getting started. So let's let's kick ass, and we appreciate everybody that pays attention to this and has the same amount of laughs, and hopefully we're teaching something along the way and giving them some insight and without a lot of bullshit. So there we go. No doubt about it. Uh, quote of the day, man, Sean, I wanted to get out there. Uh a mistake repeated more than once is a damn decision. Don't be a repeat offender. I think we see that all across college football, NFL. I think we're seeing it everywhere. We're going to have a chance today to break down Kyler Murray, find out and and, and dissect him a little bit. Uh, we got a few fan questions. Uh, why has Kyler digressed, uh, regressed, whatever you want to say? Uh, me and Sean are going to dive into that today. Uh, I'd love to see that. Plus, we have a few little clips of uh, of uh, the, the show they're on um, on HBO. The Hard, Hard Knocks, Knocks, yeah. Yep. And Hard Knocks is, uh, I think, exploiting uh, exactly what me and you've been saying for quite a while here. So uh, I got to get into it. I want to ask you something. Poll question of the day. Uh, does Jeff Saturday get his first win this week versus the Raiders? Um, very interesting poll question. Uh, I think we're going to break into that after we watch the press conference of uh, Jeff Saturday's press conference. I don't know what you I'll saw. just tell you this. If you're going to win today, this weekend's a good one to get it against with a team that's damn near real and as bad as the Colts are. Oh, they just haven't fired their coach and hired me and you yet um, in, in Las Vegas. I'm going to say the chances are, unless you give it to Jonathan Taylor like 48 times, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the Raiders actually look like a NFL team, a Harry, a, a, something that's not the Harry Hatchet ass franchise. Maybe a look like a somewhat of an NFL team that can't quite beat maybe Georgia, but uh, give, give us something to, to be positive about. I think Jeff starts out zero and one. If he wins it, it's because of him, but it won't be. It'll be because of good football. We'll see how he does and leads this team. But I'm actually anxious to see how they respond. To be honest with you. Me too. I am too. Uh, we got a last chance Q fan question. We got two of them. One of them is from uh, Vinny D803 on Instagram. He said, Sean, he would like to know, how do you balance Zach Wilson's playmaking ability while working on his mechanics? Great question. Here, here's what I know about the NFL. It is the, le it's the most undercoached position during the season on mechanics of any sport at any position. And yet it's the most important position in the world. Now, I don't mean it. I know what people say. What do you mean the left tackle? I'm talking about because the ball's in the quarterback's hands every time. And when co coaches in the NFL, the only time they start to talk about mechanics in the in the fall when the season's going while they're putting game plans because everybody's playing with their hair on fire is when you start to play shitty. And then they want to know about mechanics. And you say, well, coach, we don't work on mechanics. I can pull it out of my ass. And they won't say anything as long as you're making accurate throws, pulling it out of your ass. But the second it starts to sail, my favorite line is, Man, you got to bring it down after it landed in the 14th row. Well, no shit. Okay, so the mechanics and all that, that stuff, right, that's exactly right. And it's, it becomes a habit, and it's got to be year-round. And the quarterback's got to do the lonely work, whether it's with his private coach or the focus of a quarterback coach who watches the little things that become big things. So you really, it's hard to balance. 
it's incumbent upon the, I mean, the, the, the player has got to pay attention, but he also has to have somebody reminding him on a regular basis. Now, not during a game. Hey, just you're, it's small conversation, but during the week, you prepare six days and on the seventh, you got to go react and play football. So it's hard to balance because he's exactly right. JB, the, our, our question is you're trying to make so many plays and Zach's got great ability. The thing that's holding them back, and even though they're winning and they're a playoff team right now, the next level for him is to be more consistent with his accuracy and decision-making. He'll make the spectacular play, but I know that the, one, that the ones that sustain greatness in this league make the simple play all the time. No doubt. I'm glad you touched on that because, like, you made a great point. These guys that are coaching these guys from half the time don't know what they're doing, so they can't even correct these guys because they're they're a tight end coach that's the head coach's buddy their whole life. He don't know shit about quarterback play. So so you just said, hey, Zach, hey, come on, Zach, get it down. He just threw it in the 14th fucking row. Yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. Get it down, coach. Well, right. let's put our fucking face mask on our lead shoulder. Let's get our lead shoulder down here because you're doing this and the fucking ball's going straight up and your body weight's back here and your, your fucking platform's like this. Like, people don't break it down, so it's it's, it's a great point. Yeah. Um, Level your that- ass out and when in doubt, play downhill. We don't like to swim upstream, okay? Play your ass downhill. Level and downhill, but you're right. A guy who played right tackle coaching quarterbacks because his buddy's the head coach. It's like, I don't want to disrespect you, but they know football. The problem is they just don't understand the mechanics of lower body explosion and quiet upper body and finish and all that. But, hey, that's why you hire guys like you and I in the offseason to go fix their shit that they've been doing wrong. No doubt. Um, Second question, uh, PM. P-M-T-R-K-1790. Can you just give me a fucking name? Uh, anyway, he's <laughs> he's on Instagram. He said, Sean, JB, do you think the quarterback position has been dumbed down so teams can play the best athlete at quarterback? Interesting question. Have at it, brother. What do you think? Uh, we're going to break that down today, actually. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting question we threw in there. We're going to break down. There's a difference between athletes playing quarterback and QBs being athletic. Uh you know, I don't know if it's been dumbed down. I don't like to use that word dumb. If you're in the NFL, you're a little bit smarter than probably the average Joe <laughs> working at fucking Walmart. No offense, but you're probably a pretty smart kid. Uh, most quarterbacks I've ever been around are pretty damn smart. But at the same time, I to, I would rebuttal that question, Sean, with are the is the verbiage from the coach too extensive for the kid that's coming out of college that's only running offenses that have fucking play cards on the sideline and they're not even hearing any verbiage and don't know anything about protections, opposites, uh, right. two plays. I don't know. I'd rather ask that question because I don't think they're dumbing it down. I just think that we're using college systems now in the NFL more than we've ever done. And let me rephrase it because I'm with you. I don't like the phrase dumb. There's guys who play stupid football sometimes, but we don't – there's not a lot of, I mean, the, the playbook's this thick in the, in the, in the league. So, and they got to memorize it and apply it and drop back in 2.7 seconds and deliver the ball to a moving target on time. To about 65% of you get playing the league. Well, yeah, well, you're about to get the shit kicked out of you. So not dumb. I get his point though. For me, it's not that, but you, they've taken away all decision-making for the most part at the college and high school. I mean, everybody's snapping their head. So by the time they get to the NFL, they're behind. Unlike back in the day, I mean, when, when the coach says two minute drills on you or you get us to the right protection or I know they did it in San Francisco and we did it with Brian Billick, who was a Bill Walsh guy, is he'll give you the play. You understand during the week of study what the formation and personnel is that goes with it. 
nowadays it's like if you're not sending everything in unless it's a certain group of old school veterans your head's over there they're telling you everything to do reading coverage in the after they send it in they're saying hey it's covered too look for the vendor I mean, and it used to be the quarterback did all that. And once you gave me the signal, I wanted you to shut the, the hell up. I didn't want to hear from you. So, yeah, dumb it down. No, make it to the point where they don't have to – that everything's being done for them other than delivering the football and being a decision maker once the ball snapped. All the pre-snap stuff, I guess is what I'm saying, seems to be on guys at a younger age on the sidelines than it does with the quarterback directing traffic and understanding concepts. Hey, well, that's a hell of a start out for this. We just kicked this damn show off. This is a second install brought to you by betonline.ag and DV Sport. We'll see you on the other side for the greatest show on turf and the greatest football show on planet Earth. Stay tuned. I'm back. I'm back. Let's go. Welcome to Last Chance Q with myself, Coach JB, and Sean Salisbury. We will not talk over the amateur or under the expert. It's not only the X's and O's, but it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. And it's not just quarterbacks. We got all the positions teaching, coaching, laughing, and joking. We're using football terminology so we can get through this faster than we we don't want to use these long terms, coach. We don't we got quick verbiage to get to the point. Last chance cute with the great legendary Sean Salisbury. Well, righty, all right, all right. We're here, Sean. Uh, that's a hell of a fucking eight minutes to start off the show with before we even get to the intro video. That's you gotta love it when we're when you like doing what you want to do, brother. It feels like you never work a day in your life, is what they I say. I am with uh, you, my man. No doubt. Free snap read. Um, brought to you by Canadibs. I want to get into this. Uh, put it on the ticker here. Uh, Jeff Saturday's press conference, uh, Sean, I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, pretty interesting, um, deal. I I wanted to share that with us real fast so we can kind of walk ourselves through it. Um, let's see here. I think I know what I'm doing. Um, this was his introductory, uh, press conference, Sean, and I put it at a time where we can actually just, he got asked a question about, you know, pretty ironic situation he's in. He's, he's, he's in a peculiar situation. You know, is he accepting of it? What does he think about it? Everyone else is saying, uh, you know, the naysayers are saying, you know, you you know, just kind of like me and you, like it's a slap in the fucking profession's face. But I, I do like what he said. I think he dropped his nuts and let him hang, which he should. He played in the NFL 14 years. We can argue he's probably a top 10 center. Uh, maybe he does demand the locker room um, has that presence. We'll see if he has that executive presence. We talk about having the it factor. Uh, but I just want to get your take on what he's what he talks about here. And I'll address. I mean, before, I know the question I'm sure is going to get asked, but, you know, the Rooney rule, I'll be honest with you. It's an important rule. I, I do not diminish it one second. Right. I, you know, I, I believe and understand fully why it is as important as it is. Right. I, I don't I don't minimize. I, don't, I mean, this is this is important. My role here is for eight games. When this is over, they will do an exhaustive search and and pick whoever their best candidate is to be the head coach of the Colts. If I'm considered, I'd be honored. 
I have no idea where this thing is going to go. Not even a little bit. And I'm not, but I can assure you that's going to be handled. That, 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 that from the organization's perspective, from my perspective as a man, like I'm, I'm, I'm good. And here's the deal. Everybody talks about my, I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about, are you as qualified as somebody else, bro? I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I had, I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, one Super Bowl's been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I mean, listen, if life ain't an adventure, it ain't for nothing. You know, it, it ain't for me. I'm ready to go do this. I, I take a challenge head on. And I know. And listen, everybody can say whatever they want. And I, I appreciate that. But from my perspective, when I was asked, you know, they said, hey, we're following every rule at the end of the season. You aren't promised anything. Perfect. Let, let's go with that, and 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 I'll move forward. I have no fear if so I'm I, no good. I don't, have, I don't have an issue with what he's saying. I, 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 lo- I like he let his nuts hang. My only issue, Sean, and I, I would love to get your rebuttal on this one. Uh, a lot of people don't have the luxury of the, of the Jeff Saturdays in this profession. Uh, as someone he's speaking from the guy that's clawed, scraped, and, and had to sacrifice a lot just to coach and do what he wanted to do and not ha- do what he has to do, right, to survive. Uh, I know a lot of guys that are qualified right now that are that are scraping and clawing at fucking a- Alabama A&M, and when they get fired, Sean, they're fucking working at Walmart. He has an opportunity to go right back to ESPN. That's why he said, after eight weeks, I don't make it. Hey, so be it. Well, it's kind of a slap in the face and, and an entitlement in that regard. I don't blame Jeff Saturday. He's been put in this position. Uh, he's been put in a position to fail, Sean. I guess we could argue that. But I don't mind how he is. I mean, his back's against the wall. I'm going to come out fighting just like you are. Uh, I think Jeff's the same way. I just don't know if he understands the profession of it. And he's slapping a lot of cats that have blood, bled, sweated, and cried over this game, trying to get in there. And they don't just get handed fucking head coaching jobs in the NFL like he did. And when they get fired, Sean, it's very, very hard to get back up and get on the saddle. He can go right back to ESPN and live a happy life. Right. It's I'll tell you, he didn't lie about anything, though. No. That, that, that's just he didn't. Listen, all of us would have taken the job because an opportunity. And, yes, is he in a, a, a privileged situation because he's got a relationship with the owner? He did get to play 14 years. He was damn good at it. He's got a TV job where he's good on TV and they like him. Hell, it sucks to be talented at multiple things, right? He didn't lie one bit in that. Listen, if that's the only time I ever heard Jeff Saturday speak, I, I, I'm, I'm, he's, he's got my attention. Yes, he sold me. He sold me. Right. And I do believe after eight games, if he thinks he sucks, I think he moves on. I do. And, and he, to me, he handled it to perfection. It's not his fault they came after him. If he wants, listen, we're all looking for opportunities. One man loses another, one man's loss, another man's gain. Now he's going to get a, and I, I know he knows this, but he's going to get, it's going to be, even if they're winning, he's going to realize what it takes that the grind it's going to be just like a player. And even then some, because you're, you're, you're responsible for 60 other dudes and everything. That's right. And you'll get found out in a hurry, good or bad. Yeah. So. I'm, I, listen, I'm pulling for him because he gave me the answers I needed to hear. He addressed what's going to happen when it's over. 
He addressed that he's not backing down. He addressed that he knows football. I can tell you this, and you too, I know all the football I need to know to be a head coach. I don't know all the routine it takes to be a head coach of the NFL today without any experience of coaching, but I'll damn well tell you if I got a relationship with somebody and he offers me a gig, I'm that that's what every other coaches get it because relationships. And then it's like anything else. Listen, you want to make me the CEO of a company? Well, I don't know the product. I'll learn the damn product. I can lead people and he can lead people. He's been with the greatest leader ever in, maybe ever in team history that was right behind him. Two alpha males, as I said. So, I thought he handled the press conference. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know what else I wanted from him. Now they got to go put it into action and make sure the X's and O's work. Because all said and done, if you got bad players or the players don't execute, it doesn't matter how good a coach you are. And the great coaches will maximize it. We're going to see how they respond. But I'm going to tell you, if I'm a player listening to Jeff Saturday, I'm like, all right, you may have got this job by default. Not may have, you did. And a whole bunch of people are eyeballing you saying, I deserve that you didn't in your own building, but that's okay. Are you listen? Somebody punches you. I'm not walking away from my ass is punching back. Jeff Saturday, I feel like has that same thing. Now you got to go do it. And he knows that he's got an eight game audition. And then he's got to go back into the interview pool. He's fortunate with the interim tag that he didn't have to go through the interview process. They loved him and it's a relationship. So we'll see where it goes, but. I have no – he didn't lie to me one time in that press conference. There was no bullshit from him, and I'm good with that. Let me let me ask you this, Sean. You're a fucking well-rounded human being. You, you know basketball. You played it. I, I played it. I mean, fuck, I played at Artesia High with the O'Bannon brothers and, 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 and Andre Miller. And fuck, I've been around all these guys. Uh, <clears throat> James Harden went to my high school. We've sent out a lot of NBA guys, and, and I know basketball pretty damn good, just like you know it. And, and, and I, I know enough about baseball. You know fucking way more. We're pretty well-rounded dudes. We can sit up here and ad-lib about any fucking sport in the world, I think, um, without having a script in front of us. Uh, explain to me. I'm asking you because I don't know. I'm a novice fan sitting in the crowd. Why is Jeff Saturday getting so much heat and fucking Steve Nash got anointed and he never coached a goddamn thing in his life and the players asked for him? I'm confused on what the differences are, and his ass just got fired after being basically thrown in the mix without having to go through any damn interviews as well. Uh, What's the the difference in this thing? Is there one in your mind? A little bit. The players selected Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, Harden. They they wanted him there. And they wanted him out. That's exactly – and then they wanted him out. That's exactly right. So the same things that make you laugh, make you cry, and let's make no mistake about it. This is a two-time MVP who um, knows X's and O's. We've seen guys go from TV and Steve Kerr front office TV to winning NBA titles. So they did it, you know, kind of not, not too, too much older than them. I mean, it's, well, it's been a while since he played. But the players, regardless of what they tell you, the players helped make that decision. If yeah. Kevin Durant didn't want him there in the first place, Steve Nash would not have been the coach, just like they didn't want him there now, and he's out. That's a dysfunctional organization. So you're exactly right. There were some who had a problem with it. It's the 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 old the hardcore coaching profession said, well, what's he done other than lead the point? Well, we know Steve Nash knows basketball. He, we, we know he knew he was a hell of a player. It's just a different thing. And Saturday's relationship was with the owner. Steve Matt Nash's endorsement came from the players. And if Kevin Durant wants you or likes you, well, then it's, I guess it's got to be okay, right? Just as yeah. quickly as he likes you, they can run you out too. 
That's yeah, the, that's that's because there's no player going to run out Jeff Saturday if he leaves. It's going to be because uh, his buddy and the owner uh, don't and they're because they're zero and eight or whatever it is that he does. If that's what it turns out to be, I agree. Uh, moving on, uh, Sean, in this portion of uh, pre-snap read, seven rules of coaching. I, I, man, I've always had seven. I think the rule of thumb is seven. I, I don't know why. Whoever made that, the football gods, uh, I learned that way. Uh, I just ran with it. I never – because I didn't question anyone back then. But um, I wanted to bring up my seven rules, and I wanted you to chime in and get in, to, and get in on these. Um, you know, I think this is something we, we don't uh, – let me get rid of this. We don't talk about enough, in my opinion. Um, I think uh, – let me put it up here. Uh, you know, I don't think we make peace with our past in, in any profession. I don't – you know, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to eat crow here and there, and I got to I gotta make peace with my past. So it doesn't disturb the future, and that's kind of what I mean by by having said that. I always used to tell my players and coaches that way. I said, hey, man. I'm taking, I'm taking some of these notes too, brother. I'm taking hey, notes because I, I want to hear these. First time I've heard your seven rules of coaching, so I want to hear them. Hell yeah. Hey, I'm like, Sean, fuck, I don't care where you came from. And I don't care if, if you got cut at, at Alabama and you ended up with me. I don't care. I judge you for who you are and how you are with me, not how you were with Nick Saban. I do not judge you. Um, now, if you're the, exact- you're the guy, You're the guy who um, – I don't, there's a reason the windshield's bigger than the rear view mirror, correct? Because yes. I know I've been to my rock bottom and it's not a life sentence because you made a mistake. It's Sean. temporary unless you decide to keep repeating that mistake, which goes along with your opening quote yes. that you started this show with. Yes, repeat offenders. Uh, right. Sean, my thing is this. I seriously, I took, I went in our, our team buses. We had, we, had, we had our own buses from the college and I took the fucking mirrors out. And, and in a bus, you didn't, the rear view mirror in the middle of the van, uh, truck, it doesn't matter anyway. Uh, but the kids don't know that. And right. there's no fucking window in the back of the bus. There's a goddamn bathroom. So he's not looking 60 feet behind him anyway. So I took the rear view mirror out, Sean, and I said, we're not going that way. It only deters us from looking ahead. That is the same reason in this thing. Make peace with your past. Uh, it'll it'll disturb your future. That is, I start off with my seven rules, starting with that. Number two, uh, what other people what other people think of you is none of your business. I don't care. I think that's the hardest thing now, Sean, for these young coaches, young players. Uh, I think social media has allowed them to see it at an all-time high. Uh, you know, we, we, we launched our first show last Tuesday, and, and we put a, a video on Twitter. It's got 20-something thousand views, and we love we're loving to get in and out there. We want to get this thing blown up. And twenty thousand people saw it in a matter of a couple hours. And that is the world we live in now. So I think people that say the positive and the negative, you see it now at an all-time rate to where before we would be like, shut the hell up. We don't really care what you think. Well, you gotta really be disciplined in this number two here because you whatever- gotta compartmentalize. You have to. Because no matter how good or bad you are. There's still going to be people that like you, still going to be people that can't stand you. It's real simple. It's the third, what the third rule, right? A yes. third of you got a third of them are always going to love you. A third of them are always going to hate you. The third in the middle is if you want to convince them, go win. Okay. And yeah. don't give a shit what they think. Cause yes. if you win, they love, there's plenty that are going to hate you even when you win. So really who gives a rat's ass what they think, because you're putting your balls on the line every single day and your ass on the line. And, but you don't want to be a, an asshole about it. 
But if you're worried about the person in the 15th row or on Twitter making decisions for you, you're not going to be worth a hoot anyway. Nah, and, and you're right. It leads on to number three. The only person in charge of your happiness is you, brother. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. That's You're the ultimate one. Uh, you're the one that has to delete the tweet, resend the tweet, like the tweet, whatever the hell it is you do. Uh, you're the one at the end of the day. Life's about choices. We all have them. So you might as well live a happy one instead of a goddamn miserable one. Number four, don't compare your life to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. Man, I, I want to be Nick Saban so bad in this business. Like I used to have coaches say that. I'm like, dude. Why? Go be your own man and, and be better. And I don't think we think that way anymore as coaches or players. I, I don't really think we think that All way. That's right, a great point. Compare, we're in the comparison world. Keep it up with the Joneses. It's, it, quite frankly, it's cost a lot of Bill Belichick's assistance of jobs. Yes. Trying to do what Bill does. There's only one of those cats. Go do you. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, time heals almost everything. Give it time. Uh, I mean, it really does, especially in America, man. America forgives and forgets. Uh, you may have receipts. That's why we talked about the other day. Be smart on social media. We, we, it, Social media fucking is a receipt. If people screenshot your deal now, it's a receipt. So be careful on that. But time heals almost everything. So get over it. Give it time. Uh, stop thinking so much, son. It's all right not to know damn near every answer. Uh, be a football thief. Go still. The answer's and blend them with your own. Like, I, I take it, I tell everybody every day, Sean, this is, a, this is a thieves game. We need to take shit from everybody and massage it into our own, and now it's Sean Salisbury's fucking uh, playbook. Now it's Coach JB's playbook. Hey, there's only so many things you can do, JB, with 22 yeah. dudes on a field and 100-yard long, what, 53 and a third wide, whatever it is, 52 and two-thirds, whatever that, 53 yards. Yeah, you're right, 52 right. And yeah, yeah, so there's only so much you can do. It's now how you get to it, how you dress it up and window dress it and how you speak it and how you lead it. All the other shit. Listen, a curl has been a curl since 1940 and a curl is going to be a curl in 2040 and in 3040. But how you present it and how you get people to buy in, you're you're 100% correct. Hey, dude, well, the whole league is based on taking other guys shit and making it better with better players. Now they're taking college people shit. That's exactly right. And, Sean, as, as me and you did the other day, as, as so eloquently put, when you were talking about Santa Claus and the bag of tricks hanging to his dick, uh, fucking smile. Smile. Fuck. <laughs> Just a good laugh. Man. <laughs> you don't, you don't own all the problems. Sean, you don't own all the fucking problems in the world, man. Exactly. Nor do I want to, and nor am I smart enough or big enough to take them all on. Hell, no I got shit. enough problems dealing with myself, brother. No shit. Uh Man, moving on. Talkers versus doers, Sean. I, it's one of my worst pet peeves, man. I, I fucking can't stand uh, a talker versus a doer. Ah, call, I'm going to fucking light this cat up. This this defense is horrible. And I used to hear that shit and walking in the office, and I would absolutely just motherfuck the team because I already knew where your focus was. And you, it ain't where it's supposed to be because you worried about them other than worrying about yourself. And then practice one comes, Sean, that week. And your quarterback who was talking all that shit, he fucking looked horrible on film. And then practice two comes in, and he's still talking that shit. You better get a hold of it real quick. Um, I, I, I used to say this right here, Sean. Your words start to lose fucking value when your actions don't match. And, I, I, you know, I, I use that all the time. But, I, you know, 
I can't stand a talker. I want a doer. And, and Sean, you you said it earlier, uh, the first show, our install one. Marcus Allen, stay afterwards, get get catches, get get jump cuts in, pick up pass pro, hit the bag, sled, whatever it may be. Uh, you talked about all these greats, Ronnie Lotz, and all these different guys that have come through uh, the legendary uh, Trojan program and what they did when you weren't watching. And that's not a that's not a talker. That's a fucking guy going and doing it. We got too many guys talking about, I'm going to do it starting Monday. I'm going to start fresh Monday. No. Why? You're going to miss Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? You know the guy that scares me the most, JB, in life? It's like, think about the guy who sits at the edge of the bar. You're at a restaurant. Guys are chattering. And everybody else, they're chest to chest. And, oh, you push me up. And they're jab- I'm going to kick your ass. And then you got the one cat sitting at the edge of the bar. He's about 6'2 and about 210. Like this. Yeah, eating his sandwich, drinking a cold beer. And guys are hassling him. He just He's not doing anything. And you're like, oh, come on. What are you, soft? You don't want any part of this? They keep bumping into him in his back. And you think, oh, this guy wants no part of this. And then all of a sudden, in about eight seconds, he hadn't said two words, but he has whooped your ass six ways to Sunday. I could tell you that because I saw it happen in college at a bar with one of my good friends. I'll leave his name out. Didn't say five words. It's tough as 100-year-old leather. So one of the tough, tough son bitch from Edison High School. You know exactly where that is. I think it's beat. Yeah, damn right. And, dude, he, I'm telling you right now, these guys were drunk, a couple fraternity guys. He was eating a bowl of chili and drinking a beer at a bar right off campus. And I'm standing up next to him. We're laughing, having a good time. He's such an unassuming guy. But on the field, tougher than hell, right? These guys kept bumping into him, and I tried to talk. I was the talk, trying to say, come on, fellas. We're just here having a good time. And you're chatter, and all he's trying to – and, it's, you know, you're eating, and he keeps getting bumped into. And finally, he put it down and looked at him, and I said, it's okay. And I said, I'm going to tell you guys something. I, I kind of give him that kind of fun warning. I said, you, you got to stop because – that's the wrong wrong dude, man. And, dude, it happened about three more times. And he t- he goes just like this, pops up from his chair, boom, 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 lights out. I'm talking about lights out. Yeah. Sat back down, took three more bites of his chili, figured, finished his beard. I said, uh, my man, why don't you get out of here just in case? Casually walked down the stairs, took his ass home. And I'm telling you, those guys couldn't have said fraternity any quicker than he went one, two, three. And the coolest bastard on the planet, he didn't bother anybody. He didn't, yep. he didn't pick a fight. And he finished his beer before he left. And I thought, you cool. And I, right then and there, I said, see, it's the quiet dude. It's the same thing here. Not that talkers aren't good, but the guy who's the trained killer on the field is the guy who tells you after, not before. No question, man. Uh my dad was that way, Sean. I'd never seen nothing like it. Like in a bar fight, I'd never seen nobody like it. I grew up with some straight gangsters type of cats. They wore fucking glasses, reading glasses, and a buttoned-up shirt to class every day and set their ass in the front fucking row. Yep. And he had a 4.0, Sean. And we're like, oh, man. Come to find out this motherfucker's murdering dudes every single night. He's in jail for life. This motherfucker comes to school and smile and be the coolest dude you've ever met, and he's got all A's. And you're finding out this dude's a fucking straight killer in the streets every night. And people don't realize that shit, man. It goes a long way. Uh, So talkers versus doers is a very, very uh, critical element in this profession, in this game of football uh, and in life. Um, 
Correction is not criticism, Sean. Uh, I don't know if people realize that um, as much as they say it. I used to say it a lot on the show. I, I, I think we, we, we coach it. We coach it. We, we want to get the best out of them. And then at this point in my, gener- uh, in my life, looking at the field, looking at coaches, looking at players, uh, I, this is the quote we started with. The mistakes repeated more than once is the decision. Don't be a repeat offender. I believe now, Sean, in this generation, we are allowing it as coaches more than we've ever seen it or done it in our careers. You're afraid they're going to lose the guy or transfer or quit on him if you criticize. And now we got more repeat offenders than we've ever had, Sean. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? I believe most kids want to be coached. Me too. I want to be. There's a difference between coach and constructive criticism. There is just being a yellow yelling and screaming berate an asshole as a coach i think they want discipline i do they they crave it yep they friggin crave it yep and it's the guy who's afraid well what if he doesn't like me as a coach or what if he leaves the program oh oh well he was never going to be in it for the hall anyway he's not worth the powder it takes to blow him to hell and back these kids need to know you care about him and love him and part of caring about him and loving him is making sure they do it the right way all the time not some of the time and when they make a mistake it's not a life sentence. Shit happens. But when you keep doing, listen, run, going through a yellow light on accident is a mistake. Rolling stops at a red stop sign on a regular basis and getting pulled over, that, 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 that is a, that, that is a uh, what do you call it? Not a mistake, but that is a, um, what's it again? That's trend. a trend. It's what you do. It's who yeah. you are. Yeah, okay. That's, so that's, not, that's not by accident. Accident go through a yellow light. That's a personality that's trait. A, that's exactly right. There's a flaw there somewhere, no doubt about it. Or, or you're rolling through red lights and you got a fucking beer yeah. between your legs. A, and t- a, a tall boy opened. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, first and ten segment. First down. Well, it's first down. I wanted to get into a, a great debate. I'm going to have. I want to have with Sean. Man, this is something that uh, I've been thinking about, and a lot of people have brought up to me, and uh, I, I keep hearing it all the time how college football is dominated by Nick Saban right now. And I wanted to bring this to Sean's attention. Pete Carroll, people are forgetting about this man. Uh, I think he's the NFL coach of the year right now. Uh, he's one of two humans in the, in the, on the planet that have won a national championship in college and a Super Bowl. He's been to multiple of each. Uh, him and Jimmy Johnson share that. Um, Nick Saban, you could argue, went to the NFL and and kind of imploded, didn't get it done. He left there and said, I like recruiting. I like the college uh, world, which is nothing wrong with it. Um, And he's been one of the most dominant college football coaches of all time, if not the most successful coach of all time. Um, I I would throw Urban Meyer's name in there, too, just for me being a college coach and, and dealing with all three for a long time, sending players to every one of those guys' programs. Uh, but what I will say is this, Sean, and I want to hear your rebuttal on this. I uh, can't wait to hear it, actually. I've had great coaches tell me, you know, the difference between the two. One of them is dominating right now in college because the other one is in the NFL. What do you have to say about that? Um, I think there's a tendency to agree with it. Uh, I have a tendency to agree because what Pete was building at USC until it went south at the end there with the, you know, the, some of some sanctions and stuff and Pete wanting to get back in because Pete the first time around had some success, but he was, a he didn't have the success as a head coach that he wanted the first time around. Right. Went to USC and killed it. 
and he's a he's a legend there and a college football legend, and it probably should be a college football Hall of Famer. Maybe he is. I, I don't even know, but if he's not, he should be because he not only changed the program back on got it on track, but he changed the surrounding area going into the city, not only recruiting but changing lives. He did he did so many great things there, and Pete's a great salesman. And yeah. those two guys right there will both tell you, I would imagine. And then Nick Saban, and Nick Saban may never think he's the best coach, you know, to stand up and say, I'm the best coach. There's a lot of great coaches. What Nick Saban is is the best recruiter in the world when he goes out and recruits. And Pete Carroll is the same way. They both know football. Don't misunderstand yeah. me. Yeah. But they, they know how – they know what makes people tick, and they are able to do it. Um, do I think Nick's national championships would be as many if Pete was still in college? Absolutely not. But here's what I think. I think it's like a thrill in Manila, dude. I think one takes a punch one year and knocks him. Kind of like what Dabo's and Urban been trying to do. Yeah. And you're starting to see some guys trying to – well – Kirby Smart's trying to do the same thing, yeah. and he's got him the last couple of years, right? So um, I, I do. He may not have as many, but I'd still be hard-pressed to say that Nick wouldn't be the greatest coach of all time still in college football. But I think the landscape would be different. And now with Lincoln Riley there, he's trying, he's trying to say, well, let me, let me see if I can catch back up and, and get this thing done. Um, but the whole key is Nick's been able to get great players. There's been times at SC – with that fence around the, the, the city, around the 100 square miles, has been pushed down in Oregon and Washington and Alabama and Texas and Florida and Florida State and Clemson have all gotten those players. The best thing you can do if you're Pete Carey, and Nick knows it, go in and steal one or two. Oh, come on here. Bring our quarterbacks from L.A. to four <laughs> or five different schools, and Lincoln's going to try to fix that. But, yeah, that's what makes Nick who he is. But Pete had the fence around it, said, oh, you ain't coming in here. We're keeping these cats here. That's the whole key. So I do think your coaching friends are right. Um, but I also know this, that it would be a battle royal. Two heavyweights swinging at each other on a regular basis. And they'd have, and they'd have both knocked each other out once in a while. It, it would have been great to see. I, I, Absolutely. You know, and knowing both of them and knowing their both personalities are quite different but similar. That's It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to and they both recruit. Yes. They both recruit. And the thing about it is, though, I want to make sure no one makes – let's make no mistake here. There's a head coaching texting rule in college football the NCAA put in place a long time ago, and that was a Pete Carroll rule. It was not a Nick Saban rule. Head coaches could not text the players. That was because SC was locking down everyone. Nobody left SC to go to the SEC. Nobody. And he would go into the SEC territory and grab their best player, similar to what Nick Saban's doing now coming here. So – it, it was there. By the way, Pete Carroll never lost to an SEC team, and I think he beat Oklahoma, Auburn, and Arkansas uh, like 55 to 10, 55 to nothing. I mean, it wasn't close when Auburn and Arkansas was actually pretty good with McFadden and Miss Mustang, the quarterback, and SC beat them by Exactly 50. right. That's exactly so, I mean, right. You know, and that's the thing about it. So let's just look at some history. I think it would have been a, a great battle royal, like you said. Um, but there is some rules put in place for for Pete Carroll and Nick Saban is now a beneficiary of those rules. So, uh, Sean, loyalty versus money. Uh, we talk about it all the time. I think we're seeing it at all time high. I think we're seeing kids transferring from from school to school because of that. Uh, the, the 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 actual disloyal or unloyal or or have no understanding what loyalty even means. Uh, we're chasing this big proverbial bag we like to call this money. Uh, we're seeing it at high school levels. We're seeing it at the college level. Kids are transferring three and four times. 
your neck of the woods, Houston Astros, World Series champs. They, 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 Justin Verlander, probably the most uh, recognizable face on that roster, um, becomes a free agent after winning the Super Bowl, or actually after winning the World Series. Um, is it is it is it selfish of him to already become a free agent? I, I understand that the, the Astros have first dibs at him. But for me, and, and I think our generation, I would have loved to see a guy walk in there like Roquan Smith for the Bears and say, you know what, I, I know I'm under a contract. I'm going to give you my all and bust my ass because I'm loyal because you already paid me. But instead, we're demanding trades now. We got guys that don't even want to play for their, their organization and Brandon Cooks over here in Houston Texans. And then now Verlander's a free agent. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it. Yeah. About Verlander, <laughs> let me tell you why this is different. And in some cases, you're, you're right, JB, about a few things. Now, here's here's what the the, the counterpoint's going to be by some. Well, coaches do it all the time, and they're right. How many coaches say this is my dream job and go to three different ones, and they're all their dream job? They're full of shit, a lot of them, right? I mean, they're loyal. They'll up and leave for $2 million. The loyalty's to the coin, to the bag. But it, it is. We, we know that. Now, there are the rare cat. Because when I was playing, you couldn't up and go that way. Nobody was letting anybody leave. Kept exactly. your team, and you're the same guys are there nine years. You had the same – you go back to trading camps like, dude, I, I've seen your dumb ass again for 10 straight years. It, it, but that was good. And fans got to say, my favorite player wears 55, and he still wears 55, and he's always wearing 55, and he was here from the time I was 8 till the time I was 20, right? But it's changed. I understand the landscape of everything's changed. And so I don't blame him for wanting to get paid because in truth – and another thing is when you're used up, or they don't think you can help them anymore, they will cut your ass six ways to Sunday. So I get it. I'm with you, the old school loyalty, like, man, I want to see Kenny Stabler, and I want to see him on my team all the time. Or Dan Fouts play his career in San Diego with the Chargers. Or, or Kobe and, or Kobe, and Larry right. Bird. That's Larry Bird with the Celtics. Or Magic Johnson, that's exact. Larry Bird wasn't ever going anywhere. It, was just, it wasn't even – it wasn't debatable. Now it's always debatable, and the players get to determine a lot of it, which, okay, the problem is you give them the leeway. If the player wants it, if the owner and the coach are dumb enough to do it, we should be blaming them more than the player. Yet, if you're under contract, and I know you want to, like Lamar Jackson, he's in a lame duck season. to get. He's going to get paid, but damn, I give him a lot of credit because a lot of guys would have said, screw you, I'm sitting at home until you pay me through training camp. But he's going out there and busting his ass and putting it on the line. In the Verlander case, real quick, this opt-out is, and he's done it before, he signed a, a, a two-year, $25 million a year contract, you know, coming off the injury and goes wins the Cy Young. He's going to win it, and a World Series champion. Jim Crane and him, the owner, have a great relationship. The opt-out's no surprise because what is going to happen, he opt out of his contract, they're going to turn right around. They got till 4 o'clock. By the time, you know, they see this, the, uh, the, they had on uh, Thursday till 4 o'clock uh, to exclusively um, – negotiate with Justin Verlander until other teams could jump in. What this simply is, is opting out to go get $40 million a year. Now, I believe that he's going to get two years at $80 million and get paid the kind of money that Max Scherzer got when he in his, in his later age because they're both really good. That's the comp. So Verlander didn't opt out to automatically leave. He opted out to get more money, but is going to meet with the relationship with the owner and try to hash this out. Now, if they offer him $60 million for two years at $30 million a year, and the Yankees come in and say, here's $100 million for two years, well, then the decision's easy for him. I don't think he leaves for two or three extra million at this stage of his career because he's going to win, 
He wants 300 wins in Houston. He's chasing that goal. He loves Mr. Crane. This team is loaded. He's going to go out and win. He's got a bullpen that will protect his wins. And he likes winning, and he's really good at it, and his wife supports it. So, And that's a good thing, having Mama on your side, wanting you to keep playing and, and do that. So this is different. He didn't opt out to leave. I think he opted out, and most of us think he opted out to see if he can get the more money here. Now, he may still leave, but he opted out because the team gave him the opportunity to opt out to come back and get more money if he's worthy of it. And he's worthy of of, of around $40 million a year or more, J.B., and he's going to get it. Yeah, you know, and when, when, when I hear this coaches leave all the time thing, I, I always – People ask me this on shows and different things, and 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 when my answer is always something that alarms them, uh, I say, let me tell you something. Has your kid at seventeen, when I recruit the house, and Sean, I, I used to, I never lost a kid saying this. I, I used to put the kid in my eye vision and the parent right behind them, and so they couldn't look at each other. I didn't want them to see each other. Right. And uh, I go, whose decision is it? And the kid goes, mine. And I go, you're a fucking liar. And they go, what? I go, you're a liar. How old are you? 17 years old? How many light bills have you paid? Uh, none. How many car notes you paid? None. How many mortgages you paid? None. How many kids you sent to fucking college? None. Then you better lean on your parents for a goddamn educated uh, guess and educated um, scenario on what's going to happen with your career because this is a fucking major thing you're about to do. Pick a school and commit to it. We don't have commit no more, Sean. We have decommitment, which right. is not even a word. So that is what pisses me off now because I get after it and I say, you haven't made a fucking uh, a mortgage payment yet. You're not making the damn decision. You don't know better. Right. Your parents know better. At least they can help you, guide you on making this decision, which is going to be a critical one. They've been your taxi cab service, driving you around to every sporting event, every friggin' day after working all day long. Yeah. And along with the loyalty, I do have, and this is for another conversation, just a real quick about that, JB. I have a problem. I'm going to tell you what, if my kid was getting recruited, my kids are older now, but if they were getting recruited or if I was getting recruited this age and my old man was still alive as the number one recruit in the country, my dad would have never, he would have said made for TV, no. Like it to be on TV. This showing up with five hats while some kids out there waiting to get, waiting for you to make a choice when you're his scholarships hanging in the balance at the school if you don't go there, and you're toying around in five hats and the coaches and and then all of a sudden you put one on, take it off, and everybody's laughing at somebody's expense. I understand it's made for TV. I actually think it's a horseshit. Oh. And I'm just any quarterback I train, if they ask, I say, if you want to know for for me. I would suggest you don't do it, but I'm not you and I'm not your parents because I know damn well my dad would have said, you're not going to disrespect. Yeah. I don't care about TV. Pick the team, pull the hat from underneath. The surprise is okay, but the back and forth shell game, I think it's, I think it's, I actually think it's, it's a Bush league move. I, I do. I hate it. Uh, I, I cannot stand it, but that's not on me to, to, to make that decision. But I, I the, the respect factor of listen, I'm going hey, to Sean, you see this right here? Yeah. That's the hat they should pull out. Fucking bitch-made cat. That's the hat that they should pull out when they fucking keep doing all this. Yeah. It's a bitch-made on it. I, I just, it, it drives me, I, it, it, it chaps my ass 
I don't like it, but I'm not judging. They can do whatever they want. I just, to me, it's like the kid, and I've told kids this. Do me a favor. You mentioned social media. You don't have to. I know they say thank you, um, blessed and grateful that I got another scholarship offer. That That's fine. I get thanking the school with their uniform on, on Twitter. I get that. That's called respect and grateful that you got an offer. But I also see kids say, I'm grateful for my 54th Division One offer. Like anybody gives a shit, you pompous prick. Okay, if you want to say I'm grateful, like I was offered it by in Wisconsin. That's awesome. You don't need to shove it in your right tackle's face, who's busting his ass. Yeah. You're gonna be lucky to play it at a Division two oh, school, oh, baby. Right, right, and begging for it. And you're sitting here telling us, hey, the humble brag of look at me, I got my 75th D1 offer. Great. Now go fuck yourself and take it off there. I don't mean it mean to the – you know my point, Jay. I just yeah. – to me, there's a way to handle it. And I'm not telling – listen, it's all – hey, don't take it so serious. Okay, don't take it so – just because you don't take it serious, I'm allowed to. We're allowed to disagree and not hate each other. If I'm a coach – matter of fact, if I'm a guy recruiting you, I, I would prefer that you, you, you approach it a little bit more humble pie and then celebrate when it's all done. But I just don't like keeping stuff hanging in the balance like that. I think that – I've never liked it, and I never will. It's not old head. If I was playing now, I still wouldn't do it. I just right. don't think it's funny, and that's okay. And if, if that means I'm Clint Eastwood sitting on my dog on porch drinking a, a Paps Blue Ribbon, fuck it. I am. Okay, whatever. I, I'm the same. I agree. I agree, man. I can't my old man you. would have stuck his hard his steel toe boot right up my ass. Hey, Dad, I'm going to take eight hats out there, and I'm going to toy with them for 20 minutes to play the shell game while kids are while kids' heart rates going up and down, just so I can say. And then I'm going to put on some social media. Thanks for my 75th Division One offer. While all you clowns that only get to play Division Two, ha yeah. ha ha. I mean, who does that? Well, a lot of kids do. Doesn't make them a bad kid. I just think it's a bad look. And by the way, Sean, we're playing this week for the fucking state title, and that right tackle is going to Cal Poly Pomona. He's got to still block for my fucking ass. And yep. guess what? Hey, you know what, fucker? Yeah, I'm glad you got 75 offers, and I got fucking Redlands and can get, fucking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can you, know? you take me? Can you take me to a pizza after the game after you don't get sacked? Yeah, yeah my exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it blows my mind. But Sean, it goes back to fucking. We could talk about this for fucking seven hours. It goes back to the coach, the parent. We allow it. We don't coach it. We don't fucking tell them. We don't change it. We don't do Bingo. nothing. And these kids have the keys to the cars. They are running the fucking once, show. Once again, like you said, they're afraid to correct and to criticize in a respectful way because you're afraid. Well, what if he decommits? Okay. I know the program's always been bigger than the one player. Okay. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 approach you know, I learned this the hard way because I used to try to save all of them. And I used to tell coaches once I learned, you can't do it. You can't fucking save them all. Save nope. one and be happy and right. save one every year. Yeah. And, and then save the next one. If you're trying to save them all in bunches, you're going to, you're the, you, matter of fact, what's going to happen, you're not going to save them and you're not going to save your damn self either. You're fucking going to be gone. That's right. And, and I just, I see it all the time. But it's like, dude, I, it blows my mind that these coaches and these play and these parents are just allowing these cats to continue to do this shit. And you wonder why we're so fucked up, but yep. yeah, it is what it is. Uh, third and long, I want to bring this to you. Um, I got to get to you. I got to, I got to deal. We got a penalty and it's fucking, it's third down. And uh, I got these new sound bites for this deal. So we're, we're headed up to third and long. Oh, that's not it. Blew the whistle. We got a fucking flag. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got I to gotta ask you, Sean, 
Athletes playing quarterback versus quarterbacks being athletic. Why is coaching, why is this, uh, you know, coaching it so different? Like, is it an ideology? Is it a philosophy? Is it an actual teaching? Is it, I know, I know, Sean, for this much, if you ever coach a left-handed QB, it's a fucking real deal. It is a difference than it is coaching a righty. So coaching an athlete and trying to get them to become a quarterback is completely different than coaching a quarterback that is athletic. Um, I don't believe I don't believe a lot of people understand that. Uh, what are your What's your take on athletes uh, playing quarterback and quarterbacks being athletic? I love the athlete being the quarterback <laughs> in Pop Warner, where I say you're better than everybody else. Yeah. We're going to snap you the ball. Go make me 800 plays. I you, and we all do that. Hey, you're the best player. Let's go give it to him. Because Sean, not to cut you off, but honestly, fuck Pop Warner. The guy that plays quarterback in Pop Warner is a fucking safety in high school that's exactly right. or the best running back at his high school forever right because he's the fastest and biggest guy and he's better than everybody else so you put the ball in his hand and he's gonna throw it four times a game until he gets to high school or junior high whatever it is right um and they're playing and then they go through their seven on seven so yeah i'll take him then i'll always take the quarterback who's athletic and can extend more than i will the athlete, because what happens is at some point in time when the athleticism goes away, what sustains you? You'll always be sustained by being a quarterback who's who can uh, pass it yeah. with accuracy at some point in time. So how do you you're going to expand your career far longer and be far better over the course of time being a quarterback who's a tremendous. And if you're listen, if you're Josh Allen or if you're a guy, Kyler Murray's athleticism, I'm not putting him in that cat because he's still got a lot to learn to be a passer. Um, Warren Moon. Warren Moon's a phenomenal. Wow. Warren Moon, a friggin' is best. He's as good a pure thrower as the league's ever had. I never yep. saw him throw a friggin' uh, wobbly ball in my life. But <laughs> one time on the practice field, and I we were warming up. He had this routine. He threw a ball to us while we're the receivers catching. It wobbled one time. Warren said, "Sal, throw me that ball back." I throw it back to him. He spins it up in the air three times and says, this ball's lopsided. And I'll be damned if he wasn't right. And I never saw him throw a, a, a non-spiral again in my friggin' life. He can still throw it better than about 80% of the guys in the league, and he's 60, okay? And, but he spins it. Now, he was rare. Warren could run, do it all, accurate, big, physical, smart. He did everything. That's, matter of fact, long before this, we're talking about this, Warren Moon was that guy. Yes. He could kill you with his feet. He was a phenomenally accurate passer. He could throw it a country mile. Big physical guy, studied his ass off, prepared every day, took it serious, knew when to laugh, wasn't a talker. Put it this way. If you want to go through the checklist, he fits he, every – and you know what the only thing he got – why he wasn't in the NFL five years sooner is because the NFL dogged it out and didn't – they were worried about drafting a black quarterback, and his ass should have been in the league six years before then. You I'm dead serious. Yeah. If if Warren Moon came in now, he did he'd be he'd be a hundred thousand yards. He'd be where Brady is. Yes. If you look at his I mean he would. So Warren, Warren, way, Warren won't see. I don't think people realize he went to West LA fucking JUCO right here in California. Yes, and was at Hamilton High School. I'm Hamilton. telling you. And he's a he was a monster at Washington. He yep. was at that time where, ooh, black quarterback. He's athletic. Is he a quarterback? Warren and I, he's one of my best friends. We've talked about it a million times. And Warren is such a great guy and never he's never going to say I could say it for him we all know the elephant in the room why Warren Moon wasn't right from the NFL because he should have been starting in the NFL by the time he was like 
19 or 20. Okay. He was that good. But all these things we talk about now, Warren Moon was that guy. And then some, he was brilliant at the line of scrimmage, brilliant in the film room, didn't, wasn't a self promoter, threw the hell out of the ball, could rip it. I mean, the ball, everything you want a quarterback is him. He's He's like living the fucker's fingers, right? Yes. You, that dude right there, when you look up pure quarterback, everything you want, Warren Moon's picture's in there. Long before any of these cats were ever in there. At least it should be. Well, let's press forward now. We get a lot of these guys. But for me, the quarterback who's athletic, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, these guys, they're different cats because they're blessed and unique. But, Sean, what do you want? You want the athlete who can run? No. We win from the pocket, and then we expand. We don't expand, then win from the pocket. Give me the quarterback who's a passer and who's really athletic. And I, I will never coach being an athlete out of you. I, I would never do that. But I also try to coach being a passer into you and doing all the things. And then you just become about eight to ten plays a game. You just got to be a player. So I don't know if it's the fact that guys are afraid to change some things or to, to do it. I'm always, let me cater to your skill set. But while I'm catering to your skill set, let me try to improve what your weakness is. That's my philosophy. And if I got a Warren Moon that can do it all, shit, good luck trying to stop me. But I want the passer, I want the quarterback first that is an athlete or that is athletic as opposed to a guy who's a track sprinter who happens we give him the ball because he's faster than everybody else and we're going to teach him to play quarterback. That doesn't mean we don't teach him. I want a quarterback for a quarterback that's athletic first. That's me. No doubt. Uh, yeah, I, me too. I'm with you. I don't. The problem is the guys that are athletes playing quarterback, Sean, it, it's a segue to our second portion of this third and long segment. It's a, the athlete playing quarterback is usually the thrower and the quarterback that is athletic is usually the passer. Big and there's difference. a difference yep. in thrower and passer. I, I wanted to explain that to the common folk out here that 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 may want to know what the difference is. You know, Lamar Jackson, God bless his athleticism. He's a freak of nature, great human being, great character. He deserves the bag and the Hell, money. Yes. Is he yes. worth it though, Sean? Is he worth it? In, this, in this in this league, he is JBY, because that's what we we want. We want the guy who kills you in many different ways. Yes. 25 years, 25 years ago, he wouldn't have got the same look, unfortunately. And he's deserving of it because yes. you paid Deshaun Watson, because you paid Kyler Murray, and he and this guy's the only one with an MVP out of those guys last time I checked. Yeah, and you pay Josh Allen. You pay those guys that can move and throw. But the truth is he's still got – like I said before, JB, imagine what happens with, with uh, Lamar Jackson if he ever elevates to the point – he can throw it. He's got a big arm and all that. But we're at, where it gets to the point where – He's just that if you took his legs away completely, he's still going to kill you every week. He's just fortunate enough. He's got a crutch to lean on because you can't tackle his ass and he'll still throw for four and he's an MVP. So imagine if he gets better and more consistent accuracy throwing it, he'll say he's going to set the world, the, the, the league on its ear, but yeah. he's still working to be a passer instead of a thrower. That's athletic. But anytime you win an MVP, dude, I bowed. I did all, Tip, tip my hat and do everything because the kid should get paid. Because in this league we're in now, we just want somebody to make plays regularly, and he does. Can you imagine what Baltimore's like without him, JB? No, he's I, I, I understand. I know what you're saying. The prototypical look that you want from the yeah. hula hoop in the pocket, but you and I damn well know he's going to get paid uh, two hundred million dollars. 
and he's gonna and he's and he's and gonna be Baltimore, worth it. Baltimore's yep. fucking horrible without him. Yeah, no doubt. No because doubt. they built this roster around him too, though. Yep. So you know. Uh, All right, who's the best passer you've ever seen? Passer. I didn't say quarterback. Passer. Tony Banks. Okay. Best passer. I, uh, Jeff how George. Inter- Jeff George, pretty good. How interesting is that? Yeah. I love Tony. I love Tony. TB, I love him. Hey. Love Tony Banks. Hey, people don't realize though, Sean, how fucking how that dude could throw a fucking ball. I so I so I got I got a shot in OTAs with the Ravens. The first year Hard Knocks ever existed. Randall Cunningham was an OG. He was on that roster. You had fucking uh, Trent Dilfer. You had uh, you had fucking uh, Tony Banks was there. You had a, a kid that I grew up with from Arizona uh, that was on. That got picked up. We got cut. And I was there three days, Sean. They did a drill. Bullshit, you not. They and and, and and a great mentor of mine was actually uh, Ozzie Newsom's right hand man on that staff named Art Perkins, who you probably know Art Perkins. Mm-hmm. So Art Perkins, a Compton College native, played for the Chargers and the Rams, and it was a, the first big time, big physical fucking back who can run. Art Perkins played in the league, but anyway, they used to do a drill, Sean. They had the receiver and the DB right next to each other, and they were against the fence, and. It was a 20-yard deal from 40 yards away. They can only run 20 yards this way, and Tony Banks was 40 yards away. And the DB and the wideout were like this. And the wideout goes full speed, 20 yards, and the DB's trailing him, and he has to get the ball in before the 20-yard mark, and Tony Banks never got the fucking ball batted by the DB. I mean, we're like this, Sean. We're running like this, and the DB knows there's no route here. We're just running along the fence. I never seen nothing like a guy. I mean, the guy could throw it. He's a San Diego Mesa JUCO guy. Yeah, I love Tony. He's a good friend of mine, dude. And we've had we've caught a camps together, many conversations, dude. I still that fool can. I mean, and I mean that affection. He could still rip it. Oh. This dude can still go out there at these clinics and throw it if you want him to. Now, now, Sean, in a game, in a game right now, I would have to say Aaron Rodgers would probably be yep. top one or two to my. my yep, favorite. yep. Now Jeff George could rip it. Wade Wilson, yeah. God bless his. God bless him. Said I asked him when he left Minnesota. He went to Oakland eventually, and I said, "His Jeff was there." And I said, "Well, Wade, tell me." He goes, "Sean, I." He goes, I, "I love your arm." He goes, "I said, well, tell me how Jeff can rip it because he watched him practice every day." He said, "Dude, you ain't ever seen a man get it from point A to point B faster." I saw Elway and Favre, and that was the air I'm playing in. And he and Jeff, and he said, oh, you know. "That ball." He goes, "It just sounds different, right?" And then you get the passer. Drew Brees is a passer. Yes. Drew Brees was a passer. Yes. yes. Warren Moon was a passer. Yes. The thrower, the you know. Aikman like, could do both. You're damn right. So, like I've always said, those guys who can throw it through a car wash without getting it wet are nice. I need the guy who can do that but can also hit the car wash. I'll always say that. So, there you go. No, no doubt. Uh, that's a great deal. That's a great Tony deal. Tony Banks, my man. Tony Banks. I love it. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, gotta love it. Um, let me ask you this. Uh Two-minute drill. I want to get to it. Um, I got I to gotta bring this uh, deal up. Uh, Two-minute drill. I wanted to get on the board real quick, Sean, and get your take on this for the novice coach out there who wants to – the coach that wants to learn, okay? And we got a two-minute drill ticker. We'll put it on, but we're going to take it off, so remove it because we're going to go on the board here. And um, I want to break down some tendencies, Sean, for the coaches out there that don't know how to start a scouting report, how to scout that week of their game and their opponent. And I wanted to break down some things real quick. I wanted to understand to the coach out there that when we're breaking down film, 
We get the film. We got four game films, for instance, and we got game seven on this week. We're playing whoever. Um, and uh, we got, you know, we're playing fucking school A and uh, we got to break them down. So we want to get common opponent on what they run on defense and what offense they run that's similar to ours. All right. So we're breaking this teams down on defense and we got to find opponents that run our similar personnel and offensive formations. So to get a real tendency on these things, which I have found to be true, I think you need to break down first and 10, 10 times in the same formation. So you pull up all the three-by-ones, all the two-by-twos, all the 20 personnel pros, all the 11 personnel two-by-twos, all the 11 personnel three-by-ones, and you pull all these up on first and 10. And let's just say today we're going to start two-by-two on first and 10. I believe you have to get 10 plays broken down on first and 10 of two by two to get a tendency. And what usually happens is, Sean, we'll see two by two on first and 10, and we're going to get a 40. We're going to get a quarters look. And as you go on and we're on play eight, we still have yet to see any pressure on first down. We've yet to see any line games. We've yet to see anything. And after 10 plays, I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm pretty confident in two by two on first and 10, this team does this on first down. Right. So now I can go in and start scout and start developing my, what I'm going to put in that week on first down out of two by two. And then we go on and go into three by one. We do the same thing. So what I want to show you on the board here is um, real quick. I want to bring this up, bring this up as, let me see if I can bring it up as bigger. Uh, let's see. Fucking horrible at this, but I'm gonna bring it up like this. So, Sean, I'm gonna go on this board and I'm gonna turn this mic this way um, so you can hear me. Okay. Uh, I want I want to talk about first down. Okay, we're gonna do this ten times, and we're gonna draw lines. We're gonna draw lines just like this, and I'm, we're not gonna do all ten. But what I have up here, Sean, is first and ten, and then this is the formation two by two. This is all first and ten. The front, we're gonna get an e we're gonna call it an even front. So we got an even front on first and ten, and we're gonna go break this down. Now Sean is the coach, he's breaking the film down, he's giving it to the coach on the board like I am. So he's telling me it's two by two, and we've got all the two by two cutups in the, on the film, and, and and Coach Salisbury's pulling up all the two by twos, and there's a coach on the board like myself, and we're cranking this out as a staff in the staff room. Now What's the pressure, Sean? Okay, we got uh, Sam C. So the Sam backer came out of C gap. That's how we're classifying it. So then we got coverage. We got cover four. We're going to call it quarters. So this is play one. What hash are we on, Sean? We're in the middle. We're in the middle of the field. Now, is it a field versus boundary pressure? Because we pulled up pressure and it's a Sam C. Where is the Sam coming from? All right, it's coming from the field. All right, so we have this. Now, is it a pass or a run? It is a pass. Okay, we're going to write a pass. And then what is the result? The result was an incomplete pass. All right. Now, having said that, I want to come over here and tell you why those things are said like that. I want to show you why these are like that, okay? And I'm going to put myself on the, on the show here. So, the reason those are like that, why is it a result? Why does it matter? Why is it a pass or a run? So 
So when we put in pass and run in there, what happens is when we put it into our system, huddle, DV sport, whatever it is you use, now we can pull up all the passes on first down and we can pull up all the incompletes since it was an incomplete pass. And now we have a tendency on what was successful or not against that particular defense. So against even front, Sam C, that means a Sam linebacker came off C gap in the middle field, middle of the hash, cover four. And if we break this down 10 more times on first and 10 at a two-by-two two formation, we're going to see a tendency. Okay, are they, they're they going to run even every single time. They're even front 10 out of 10 times, Sean. They well, and then you know how to attack an even front. It's, it's called evidence. It, it's called evidence, and now we're building a scouting report, and now we right. pull up three-by-one on first down. Now, this is the thing. This is a fucking 10-hour job now, so you guys know, coaches, because now you're getting into three-by-one next on first and 10. And, and then, then you're going to 20 personnel, and then you get 11 for all the formations you run. And and that is why, Sean, I'm a huge proponent on keeping it simple stupid, especially you high school coaches out there, because just so you know, every tricky dick fucking pretty formation you see on Sundays that Andy Reid fucking puts in, guess what it does to your O-line? It changes the front. And your O-line is the one who struggles, because every time you change the formation, the fucking front changes too. Yep, and now they and now and they audible fronts as well. So now you got to you got to get it on the fly. And those five cats up front, you know, there there is something to be said even on defense if you flip it when they're breaking their tape down. Yes, the old Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom. We're going to play four coverages. Yes. We're not going to blitz you. We're going to let you ca- and we're going to tackle. Yes. We're going to we're going to make sure that our players know who to get and how to get them. We're going to know where to line up, and this is how we're going to do it. And now you got to go make plays, but you are 100% correct. It's evidence. It's the analytics you see in baseball applied to football. And it is a free, if you run a formation, we got to find out what the tendency is that, because that two or three plays, even if it's not 10, you're going to have to find what, what if that's the difference in the game? You, you got to do it. No that's doubt. Great, that, that is a great explanation on just a small portion of the grind it takes to cut up tape. So yeah. now the players can go watch it. And so they yes, know what they're looking yes, at. Yes, and and me and you can watch it, and and and, and as a staff now, right? Every day now, you got your yep. first and tens in the cutter. We just pull up all first and tens out of two by two, all first and tens out of three by one, all first and tens out of eleven two by two, and now we're seeing a tendency. And now we're scout. Re- now we got analytics for real. Now we're printing off these pressures. Okay, on first and ten, right. we're getting a lot. We're getting seventy five percent on first down. Sam, come see gap. Right. So now we got a tendency. If um, you're if you're a coach, a coordinator, folks, you sit at home, and all week long the tendencies and all this tape study says in this formation, this down and distance, they play zero coverage inside the red zone, and you're not calling zero coverage beaters. You're a dumbass. Okay, okay. okay? If you're calling cover two beaters and they play eighty-seven percent of the time inside the the twenty-yard line, they play cover four or quarter-quarter halves, cover six whatever, and you're calling two beaters, then you need to get in the film room and study a little bit more and understand the tendencies. And there are some, and you know this, who don't get it. They fly by the seat of their pants instead of, I don't think you got to go all analytics all the time. If you're doing something good, hell, we're going to do it. We do better than you. But you got to have a little bit of a clue so you give your team. A coach's number one job is to put his players in the best position to succeed. No doubt. Uh, we're headed to the post-snap read portion of this show. Um, 
Post-snap usually means touchdown. Touchdown. I'm getting pretty with this fucking sound bites over here, Sean. You, you are you are a you are a you're ubiquitous. You're everywhere. <laughs> I like it. Hey, so I'm a fucking one-man band over here, man. I got Dude, I like it. <laughs> you you're that you you know who you are? You're you're Adam Levine. You play like eight instruments, you sing, you get the hey. drums, pop on the keyboards, you're hey, gonna play the lead tier. guitar. I might be on fucking TMZ later for having a fucking <laughs> ordinary stroke. <laughs> but you know what? Fuck it. Let's get it in. Yeah, at at least you're going to go down doing what you love to do, brother. Hey, there you go. Right. I'm going to go out swinging, brother. Right. Uh, I, I'm going to go down. I'm going to be like, God damn, Sean fucked me. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. You said you loved it. <laughs> hey, no shit. Hey, don't try over spilled milk. That's uh, right. Here we go. Uh, post that read. Where do they rank? Uh, we always want to say, you know, where do they rank? Uh, you know, all these different things. I got to ask you, uh, where does Kyler rank now versus last year? Because I think he's digressed, regressed, however you want to say it. Uh, in the football world, sometimes we use digress. Sometimes we use regress. Uh, I think he is, uh, he's regressed. Uh, why has he regressed? I kind of want to talk to you about it uh and show a little film for a few minutes here uh while we have it um can i I keep it simple for you hell yeah i think he knows uh how to get them i don't think he knows who to get does that make sense yes sir I, i think that kyler murray's biggest crutch is he's always been better than everybody he is a phenomenal athlete who's got a powerful arm who can beat you with his legs there ain't no doubt that the guy's a a freak, a free. He's an alien talent. There's, I, I use that term. He is, but alien talent who I only get to see about 60% of it. I don't, and this has nothing to do with the stuff you heard about him in preparation and the contract. To me, Kyler Murray is a, if the first guy's not open, I'll go make a play guy. And eventually they get you. They're good enough to defend it. People are. And and he's the type of guy who's going to go out and throw for 400 and rush for 80 one day and then disappear for three games. These coordinators are too smart. I think Kyler Murray's biggest strength is his biggest weakness. His biggest strength, he's a friggin' playmaker. His biggest no weakness, his biggest weakness is I think he's trying to hit a grand slam every time he plays. And I'm not sure he it has nothing to do with whether he's smart or not. He's seen enough football. Is that everything to do with is he committed to using his eyes and and doing it the way it needs to be done? I think Kyler Murray's crutch is his biggest strength. I think Kyler Murray's crutch has become his biggest weakness, JB. I, I agree. Uh, let's break this down in tandem here. I, this is interesting because they're, they're on hard knocks right now, and uh, I think he's fucking viral hey, on JB, Twitter. JB, can we stop down? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm flickering in and out because we, we were taping this, right? Yep. Okay, so give me 10 minutes to make sure that it's not flickering for me. Can you do that? Let me get it fixed. Uh, It only started when you said, let's break this down. So after I said, after I'm done talking about when we come back, we'll just start up. When I finish up, you'll say, okay, we got this on tape. And then there's only a a few seconds in there when you said it. Everything else I could hear clearly. Can, can, Can you stop down for 10 minutes so I make sure, or five minutes? I'll get yeah. back on. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. So what do you I'm, want me to do? Stop I'm, it? Uh, yeah. I'm, you just stop it. And we'll pick right. When we come back, you just pick right up from where I talk, where I said his biggest strength has become his biggest week, you know, where I quit talking. And yeah. then you'll go right into, we got it on tape and we go from there. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Let me. I, that's this. why I hesitated to give you an edit point. So it's not, it's not a uh, issue. 
So just when I stop down and say, and you said right before you say, I agree. Let me end it right now. Want me to end it right now? Yeah, stop it.